distinct drama, fresh and original. Generation Games, a series of comedy and drama monologues and duologues uniting the ages. Missing You by Richard Vergette, starring June Brown and Sam Barnard. We will beat the coronavirus, and we will beat it together. And therefore, I urge you, at this moment of national emergency, to stay at home, protect our NHS, and save... This is the time he'd bring me a cup of tea and something from the baker's. Maids of Honour are my favourite. He likes something a bit more squishy. Vanilla slice, usually. He calls in on his way back from the allotment and whatever's in season, he'll bring me some of that. Something healthy from the allotment and a bit of a treat from the baker's. There was only ever really me and him. I mean, obviously, there was someone else originally, not a relationship, more of a collision. Even if they'd had those tests back then, I wouldn't have had one. Why would I? I didn't even think about it. It's a boy. But the nurses looked worried. They took him away. He screamed and they whispered, doctors coming and going, prodding him, looking at his fingers and his toes. What's the matter, I thought? There's ten of each, isn't there? I said... Can't I just hold him? But then the matron came in. Some people wear a uniform. She was the uniform. She tried to smile. It didn't suit her. Sorry, dearie, but he's not normal. I said, what do you mean he's not normal? And then she told me. She said, we'll deal with it. Leave the baby with us and we'll look after it. Get yourself home, tell your family that he died in childbirth. You'll have better luck next time, I'm sure. I said to her, better luck? It's not a blooming game of bingo. You bring him here now, I'm going to look after him, not you. Her smile faded. She looked a lot better. In that case, she said, take your broken doll home. His father was no help. Didn't even come to the hospital to bring us home. Used to have left him with them. It's no world to bring up damaged goods like him. And he went. Like they do. Damaged goods? A broken doll? One day old and they were calling him names. And there he lay. Little thing. Perfect he was. Perfect. So there was just me and him, William. Me and William against the world. He had ever such a gentle cry, not piercing or harsh. It was quite, I suppose, it was quite musical in a sort of way. I would sing to him and it was as if he was singing back. It wasn't all plain sailing, but I don't think it was any harder than if he'd been... Well, what that awful matron called normal. Normal? What does that even mean? Was she normal? Am I? <laughs> Was my mother. She once sawed the legs off an armchair so her sausage dog could jump into it. I don't call that normal. Yes, 
we be having tea now. I miss hearing the door open. He bursts in, makes me jump. I'm here, he shouts. I'm here. A few weeks after he was born, I was pushing him in the pram in the local park. A group of girls were coming home from school. They came up to the pram and started cooing and saying the usual things people do around a new baby. They wanted to know his name, how old he was, how much he weighed when he was born. They were lovely girls, all gossip and chewing gum. And then they scampered off talking about boys and what not. And after they'd gone, I wondered if he'd ever have friends like that. If he'd ever run across a park and chew gum and kick a ball around and break a heart or two, apart from mine. He did have a couple of friends. There was Brian, nice boy, used to come round and play snakes and ladders with him. Nice family, respectable. His dad worked in an office or something and I used to see his mother in fine fare. She always spoke. Lovely manners. And then there was Donald. He had the palsy thing. He was all right mentally, but you know, he had problems with his walking. His mum used to come round with him and we'd have a gossip and they'd play with some toy soldiers of Donald's. Donald would shout the orders very loudly sometimes. <laughs> I don't know what battle they were reenacting, but it sounded fierce. He didn't make old bones though, did Donald. I'm not sure what happened to his mother. You see, in those days, the schools didn't really take them, not like they do now. It's marvellous what happens with them now. They have so many chances, more than they did. <laughs> My sister Gracie annoyed me. She was always saying, it's such a shame, isn't it? It's so very sad, bless him. Always bless him. She did more blessing than John the Baptist. I said to her, why is it a shame? And she said, well, it's not as if he's ever going to be a brain surgeon, is it? I said, you're not a brain surgeon either, Gracie, and if you were, I wouldn't fancy being under your knife. You know what I mean, she said. He's never going to be a success, is he? I said, no, and he's never going to be a cat burglar or a drug smuggler either. Honestly, my sister not a success. She had a sweet stall in the market and got fat on the coconut mushrooms. That was her idea of success. I ought to eat something now. I've got a few things in. I had a leaflet through the door with a lot of phone numbers in case I need help. It's somewhere on the mantelpiece. I don't like to bother anyone. Well, you don't, do you? When he was ten, I met someone, Charlie. And not on a date or anything like that. Charlie moved in opposite. He knocked on the door to find out what day the bins were being emptied. Well, that was his excuse. He was a lorry driver, a widower, a bit older than me. When he met William, he wasn't shocked. He smiled very politely and said, How do you do, William? Now, William was always shy, but not this time. He stuck out his hand, at bold as brass, he said, How do you do, Charlie? <laughs> well, that broke the ice. 
I'm not sure Charlie expected such confidence. I'm not sure I did. Charlie made an effort with him. He took him to a football match once. Oh, I was so worried. I'd never let anyone take William anywhere. But Charlie had one of those faces you can trust. I sat by the window all afternoon waiting for him to come back. I don't think William enjoyed it much. He didn't say anything, really. Charlie asked me if I could take him again, but I said no. He was a kind man, but you can't be too careful. He used to come round for his Sunday dinner. I would always bring something for William, a little toy, a bar of chocolate, you know. I think he missed having children of his own. I went out with Charlie a few times. Grace's daughter Denise would babysit. We wouldn't go far, just in case. And he was lovely. Not handsome, but who minds that? His nose had been broken. But I didn't ask. Well, you don't, do you? He was... What's the word? Chivalrous. Yes, that's it. He always opened the car door for me. He wore a tie when we went out and never drank if he was driving us home. And I could have loved him. I really could. And he loved me. He told me. He stopped the car on the way home from Love Story at the Hippodrome. I love you, Margie, he said. I think you should know. I said, that's really nice of you, Charlie. I do appreciate it, but no, he said. Don't say any more. I understand. And we drove on in silence. I didn't see so much of him after that, and then he met another lady, so they tell me. He moved away. But he didn't understand, though. And I'm not sure I did, to be honest. You see, when I looked at William in my arms all those years ago after the matron had left the room, I knew what my life was for. People were going to be against him, so I was going to be for him. Always. William was cross with me. He loved Charlie too. But it was the right thing to do. And here's what's surprising. William was bright, really. I would read to him. He loved being read to. He'd look at me with those beady eyes and it didn't matter what I read. When I ran out of children's books, I used to read from Woman's Own. Who knew a four-year-old would be gripped by an article on cross-stitch? And then he learned to read himself. To begin with, he copied me, word for word, line by line, I'd read the first line of a story very slowly. Once upon a time, there was a little girl called Sophie, and he would repeat it one bit at a time. And then we started on another story and another, and then I bought him a new one, and he started by himself. And he recognised some of the words. Once upon a time, there were three Billy Goats. Someone had once called him Billy. I didn't like it, but he did. So he learned to write it. 
and then he recognised the page. He could read. You could understood how I felt. I thought I'd tell his father. I hadn't spoken to him for years, let him know what he was missing. But he just said, better put his name down for Oxbridge then. And the phone went dead. I had to watch him because, you know, being as he is, he's naive. He used to go to a day centre. I was happy for that. But he got a bit thick with one of the girls there. She was like him, you know. He asked if he'd bring her back here. I didn't think it would be right. I didn't want to encourage him or her. I mean, you can't be sure what it might lead to. You see, everything was lovely when it was me and him. Just the two of us. We got through his teenage years and he stopped this thing with a girl, thank heaven. I had a little cleaning job in the morning and he would do his allotment in the afternoon. He would read me the paper, well, bits of it. And we'd do a puzzle like word search or something. I know it sounds a dull old life, but it suited us, nice and simple. No point in putting him under pressure. Oh, did you hear that? Oh, the lady over the road can't sit in her garden anymore. She's sensitive to noise. Why do they have to make cars sound like they're built with a racetrack nowadays? It's for the youngsters, I suppose. Charlie always said, a car engine should purr. Not screech like a blooming banshee. Oh, those motorbikes are even worse. Oh, lucky William hasn't got a license. Uh, he's, well, you know how he is. He'd be round the corner up the hill. Look at me, Mum, he'd shout. Look at me. Pity that social worker of his can't do something useful for a change. Contact the noise abatement lot. Put in a complaint. A few years ago, he suddenly announced he was moving out. Uh, where, may I ask? Supported living, he came back at me. I support you, I said. Anyway... He'd looked into it by himself. I couldn't believe it. He'd been so secretive. We never had secrets. Found out that he'd have his own place. I talked to my social worker, he said. Have I done something wrong? I asked him. He just said, It's time, Mum. That's all he said. It's time, Mum. Of course, I found out that that girl from the day centre was involved... I can't say I was thrilled. It's a nice place. He's got his own room. He's even got his own bathroom and a garden. So, you know, he does all right. I remembered the girls in the park and what I'd wished for that day. And I tried. I tried to be happy for him. I am. I am happy for him. I miss him. Of course he comes to see me every day. He did until what they call it, lock-up, lock-down. We'd be having a cup of tea at this time of day. I think I told you that. And I think he misses me. Well, I know he does. 
Down syndrome. They won't ever say the words. They think I'll hurt her to say it. Or it hurt me. They just won't say it. I told her I'm at Jenny at the Dave Centre. I didn't tell her straight away. It took me a month. No. Two months. Mum, I've met someone. She frowned hard. Who? She asked. I said, a very nice girl. She frowned even harder. The room went cold. The sky darkened. There was a cleft of thunder. Okay, it wasn't a cleft of thunder. It was the sound of her chopping a teacup. Does this nice girl have a name? Tiani? Tiani? Mum? What's the problem? I asked. She'll take advantage of you, Mum warned. I hope so, I said. Mum is a strong woman, a lioness with a cub. But I wasn't a cub anymore. And then we got a big question. Is he? Is he? Come on, Mum, you can say it. Is he like you? She has Down syndrome. Yes, Mum. Why won't she just say the words? I like her, I said. And then, silence. She didn't speak for hours. It felt like hours. It was actually 20 minutes. I was 18, but she was making me feel like 10. We both sit there, pretending to have countdown. I hate countdown. What's so special about this Tiani? I think Tiani's a lovely name. Mum makes it sound like a swear word. She likes me, Mum. That's what's special. Until Tiani arrived. The day centre was a bit boring, to be honest. Unless you like doing easy jigsaw puzzles, or listening to local radio, or playing snooker on a table that's too small and with balls missing. But it got me out of the house. One day, a lady comes to the centre to teach us how to make corn dollies. Why would I want a corn dolly? Why would anyone want a corn dolly? I got the giggles. So did someone else. It was Jenny. I caught the eye. The giggles got louder. The lady asked us to stop. We tried. We really tried. We failed. We were asked to leave. So Jenny and I left the room for five minutes. We just laughed. Mum thinks I need protecting, but I don't need protecting from love. I told Mum, Jenny had stopped coming to the day centre. I told her I wasn't seeing her anymore. I lied. Mum is a good woman, and very kind, but it's a thing she isn't. When I was a kid, she tried to find a friend for me. I didn't want her to. I wanted to be allowed to find them myself. 
but he knew best. There was Brian. He would bring war games, loosely snakes and ladders. He'd go into my room. He taught me how to play. He was very kind, but very quiet. And he always won. I often wondered how he managed that. And there was Donald. He had cerebral palsy. He wasn't quiet at all. He played with his toy soldiers. He would sell orders. I didn't understand. And then got cross. Really cross. I think mum looked for people who make friends with me because they were desperate. Tiani wasn't desperate by the way. Tiani liked me as much as I liked her. I once asked her why. She shrugged and said, Don't ask awkward questions. Just be happy. That's good advice, I reckon. But then I didn't make a real friend, Tiali. He was mum's friend first, but he became my friend too. He shook my hand. I remember that most adults back then patted my head like I was a dog. Tiali shook my hand. That felt good. He took me to a football match. I never seen so many people. A big and noisy crowd. I was too excited, he was scared. We cheered. He bought chips and drank pop. And we drove home. He sang in a car. United till I die. United till I die. It was the best day ever. Mum was waiting. Where have you been? She asked. Charlie laughed. We were wearing United scarves, United hats, and carrying football programs. And they asked us where we'd been. Two ages ago, Charlie said, that made me laugh too. It's not a joke, said Mum. I thought I'd been, we needed more laughs in our house. I was sad when Charlie left. Mum said it was for the best. How was it for the best if I feel so sad? I don't want you to think I don't love Mum. I do. Very much, but I need more than just Mum. I think everyone does. But you probably must that. Mum didn't need more than me. When I first went to the day centre, I didn't make new friends straight away. I preferred to sit quietly and read. The manual was socked. I could read. Who taught you? He asked. My mum, I said. Who taught you? He said, my mum. Small world, I said. And then, Jenny arrived and everything changed. Her life was different. Her mum and dad always took it out to museums. Theatres, galleries, to stimulate her. They said, she told me once she got sick of being stimulated. Sometimes she was well, at home and mopped telly. We choked. We like to stop lives for a while. Mum never asked to meet Jenny. I think she was jealous. I knew she was jealous. So... For a long time, I pretended not to see her anymore. I didn't want to be a lawyer. 
But what can you do? Something useful I did learn at the day centre was gardening. Gianni made me put the books down and go outside of her. There's something about growing things and got bigger and stronger because of you, knowing you've done something useful. So, for days and to become a really good place after all. After a while, the enemy started to work out how we could live together. She's braver than me. When I say the work, I told us it couldn't happen. I said, okay. But the enemy said, not okay. If I hadn't been with her, it would never have happened. You see, I don't love Tiani because she's like me, as Mum would say. I love her because she's very different from me. Isn't that actually our own place? It's what's called supported living. But it's alright. It does very nicely, in fact. The funny thing was, Mum didn't seem that surprised when I told her they asked a few questions and then asked if she done anything wrong. How could she think that? Of course you haven't, Mum, I said to her, but it's time, Mum. It's time. She went very quiet and then smiled and nodded. I waited for the sky to darken like I had before, but it didn't. It was like she knew it would happen. It was like they could see I'd grown up. I'll miss you, she said. I'll miss you too, Mum, I told her. She come to visit us. Not very often, but she did. And I would visit her, sometimes with Tiani, but mostly on my own. I'll take her a cake for tea. I don't like cake, the much, to be honest. But you've got to be polite, haven't you? And we've lived... Like this for many years, very happily too. But then, this happened, the virus. So, I can't visit her anymore, she can't visit us. I talked to her on the phone, but I'm not sure she understands. It's my turn to worry about her now. I do miss her, more than a fault. I hope she knows that. I really hope. He knows that. Missing You was written by Richard Vergette and starred June Brown and Sam Barnard. The producers were Ashley Byrne, Ian McNess and James Brown. The Generation Games monologues and duologues are MIM productions for distinct nostalgia. More than a podcast. Mm -hmm.